Watch out for our upcoming private jet plane experience (laughs) journey for the universal needs, courtesy of a toilet seat. Hello, 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 and welcome to Well Shit. It really is that simple. I'm Claire. And I'm Serena. On this podcast, we help you to understand about your 12 universal needs, why they are currently not being well met, how to meet them in ways that work for you, and how to consistently do so in quick, easy, and simple ways that fit seamlessly into your life. We'll also help you to understand how doing so will have a positive ripple effect in literally every area of your life. If you like what you hear, come and join the conversation in our Facebook group. And enjoy the show. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, everyone. So we've had fun and games today <laughs> with the air conditioning. We have fun and games every day. I mean, we do have fun and games every day. I mean, it's been an interesting morning because uh, I've been having problems with my AC for, oh my goodness, weeks and weeks. In fact, I actually had uh, problems last time I was staying here um, and we thought it had been fixed and then we did it and we did a fix and that didn't work. And then we had someone guy came out last week and that didn't work. Um, so we finally had someone uh, come out this morning. But the funny thing is, is that I, when I called them this morning, I was like, um, please tell the guy it seems like it's working because whenever we do podcasting, I always like chill the place ahead of time because often we t- normally we turn off the AC and the fans when we're uh, when we're recording just so there's no like background noise. Um, and obviously with having lights on and being in the tropics, uh, it can get a little warm. So we kind of chill it first um, so that we can do that. Um, so we got it all working and it was fine. And I'm like, okay, so it's cool enough. That's great. And we, we did a couple of episodes today. And um, and then we just got off recording uh, another episode and I looked up and I'm like, oh, the AC unit's still on. Obviously, it's not causing a problem with the sound because neither of us noticed it. <laughs> so the good news is we won't have to freeze our butts off next time. We can just leave the AC on. <laughs> you won't get to see my bright red face if you're on video. <laughs> no, novel, novel approach. And today we are sharing the third and final episode in our self-worth series. Um, this has been a great series so far. And today we're looking at why it's so hard to feel quote unquote enough. And we've touched on this in previous episodes, um, but the reality is that most people do not feel enough in life. Um, They don't feel thin enough. They don't feel sexy enough. They don't feel attractive enough. They don't feel young enough. They don't feel successful enough. They don't feel a good enough uh, parent, partner, friend, colleague, uh, relation, whatever it is. We live in a society that continually enforces the belief that we are not enough, i.e. it teaches us or implies that we're not enough or that we should be, do or have more. Um, So, for example, let's look at some of the examples. So we've got school. We constantly need to improve our grades unless we're getting a hundred percent. I remember there was this girl that I went to high school with and used to break my heart. She was one of the most um, highest performing people in our year. Like regularly would be getting like 97% on stuff. And I'm like, I wish I was getting 97% on stuff. I was not. Um, And I remember she would come home and um, whenever she shared with her parents, I think it was particularly her dad, um, that she got 97%. His first question would always be, what was the 3% you got wrong? I'm like, I would be dancing on 
rainbows if I was getting 97%. <laughs> I'm like, you asked me which 3%, I don't give a shit. I'm caring about the 97 I did. Um, but yeah, like it's constantly like, unless you're getting 100%, you constantly need to improve your grade. You need to be aiming for 100%, which is ridiculous because nobody gets 100% in life. Like that's just not how life works. Um, same thing with work. We need to do more, do better, always be improving. Um, we, uh, with the media, the perceptions of people, and especially the, these kind of uh, per, uh, perceptions of quote unquote successful people. Yeah, I'm gonna do big, lots of air big, quotes, big, big quote, air quotes. Uh, and part of the reason we're being, doing big air quotes is because we are like we have worked with people who have quote unquote got it all, hit success, and they get to that point and they're like. Well, this doesn't feel like I thought it would. Right? I'm like, oh, what happened? This is, I was supposed to, like, I was supposed to feel amazing at this point, wasn't I? Uh, no, because that's not actually what you're aiming for. You're aiming to get all your needs met, but you haven't been doing the things that's going to meet your needs. You've been doing the things that's costing your needs to give you the things that you think is going to make you happy. Not how that works. Anyway. But these perceptions that we get of people on TV and magazines and films, they always look thinner sexier like they've got more money they've got more things they've acquired all these things um social media like the influences influences influencers even like showing how much better they are like like hashtag relationship goals like uh hashtag living my best life like their lives they're, they're trying they're constantly showing and actually it's interesting um i know a lot of people who have been part of um mlm organizations where they're constantly encouraged to share these images of a life that's better than everybody else's so that people will want to do what they they will want to get involved so that they can get the thing that these other people have mm. um these kind of <laughs> and most of the time the people who are showing this don't even have these things themselves it's curious it's made oh up goodness. it's we've seen some of the photos bullshit. where like people like were showing like oh on a private jet and it's, it's like, a toilet seat yeah what? A toilet, oh you don't know how to make a private jet window it's a toilet seat up against a, a like a screen monitor and then you take the picture oh. and it looks exactly like a window from an airplane oh my god i'd seen i'd seen a um i'd seen one where somebody had like faked it as in gone onto a private jet to take a photo and then left i didn't know that one oh well yeah i i just uh watch out for <laughs> Our upcoming private jet plane experience <laughs> journey for the universal needs courtesy of a toilet seat um like that could be quite i mean i just think that would be funny to do it's actually i mean when you see it or i've actually seen one that's uh <laughs> sorry i'm giggling to my to the images in my head um it's i, I don't know if it's because i think it's a meme i don't know um but i've seen it on facebook where it's this picture of um I guess a female's don't, knees and legs. Don't, and don't put your hands in front of the microphone. Uh, <laughs> so someone's talking with their hands again, but all of a sudden you sounded like you were next door for a yeah. second. <laughs> Sorry, I'm back. It's okay. um, it looks like a picture of like the legs, um, their legs from a sitting position looking into the ocean. So I mean, I, I'm mm-hmm. sure you've seen a million of these oh, pictures yeah. and people, you know, here, here are my feet and yeah. here's the water. And then it was zoomed back and it was actually just two hot dogs put up against a picture or like a screen or something. And I was like, oh, God, I believed those were legs. Right. <laughs> like, but I mean, that's really what we're right. dealing with here. You never know what's real, what's fucking Photoshop. And it's put out there as like, quote unquote, inspirational. And it's like, mm, 
Well, that's quote, not, vomit. Oh my god! Right? <laughs> hashtag hashtag vomit. vomit. Like, because that's not. And it again, it's it's put there to show themselves as being better than, mm-hmm. or like it's 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 these these show reels that get put out, even just with your friends. The like seeing the friend quote unquote show reel where you only see the best parts of people's lives, which we then compare to our entire existence. I mean, I remember I've I have had friends who've like broken up with their partners and afterwards they've shared, oh my God, it was the most horrendous. I'm like, and they look like the most loved up couple in the world because all you see is these like, ah, oh, hashtag like, like living our best lives hashtag relationship goals like look I'm doing this look we're doing that and it's like a momentary photo and the rest of it's not looking like that at all Mm -hmm. I know that it's actually one of the things that kept you off social media right it it really is because you know there are some people that you know every I, I believe most people on social media have people that you know they went to high school with or college or they've lost touch with and so you really don't know what's going on in their world and that's part of the fun of social media is being able right. to kind of keep up and catch up whatnot but there are also a lot of people that you are in continuous contact with and that you know you know more of the wholeness of the story right so i'd go through facebook and i'd see these you know the show reels and i'm like well, this is fucking bullshit. You were like, <laughs> I was just with you and you were saying the exact opposite. So mm-hmm. like, don't post anything, but don't post bullshit. So I kept seeing, I'm like, it really, I'd start scrolling. I'm like, bullshit, 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 mm-hmm. bullshit. Oh, bullshit. Like, and so much of it was bullshit. And it was. It was interesting that the difference that you approached it with. And it's, it's something that I've always done. It's like, you'll see, I mean, I will post if, things are shitty mm-hmm. i'll post if things are great um and i will post everything in between um but i know it's a big thing for you to like intentionally show that kind of wholeness right well it's yes it is important for me and anybody who's friends with me on facebook i use my facebook page like we do operate some of our business aspects from it but my facebook account is for my friends and mm-hmm. that's how i keep in touch with them but i actually a couple of years ago stopped really posting on Facebook and posting my updates because I wasn't I didn't want to sh- I didn't want to sh- I didn't want to show necessarily the bad I didn't want to put out there you mm-hmm. know what was going on wrong and I was like so I'm not gonna put out anything because me showing the adventures I'm having or the trips I'm taking or like the awesome sandbar days like I'll occasionally throw something up there but I don't want people to think that I'm curating and I'm doing a show right. reel. So I've chosen to just, you know, pick and choose what goes up there occasionally, but I'm not I'm not going to put up only the good things right. and I I don't want to put up all of it. So well, it's, it's also the reason that I don't use apps like Facetune. Mm-hmm. If you like if you know if you don't know like Facetune is one of the apps where it's basically like Photoshop for your phone. Um and I've seen people where I'm like I've seen the before and after I'm like that's not the same person. <laughs> that's well, when you, not who you, that's not how you look. Well, and that's, I mean, for people you know, or I, all I can think of is like dating sites and that kind of right. thing, like using a filtered and even a well done filter, but then having somebody show up and is like, oh, that's not who. But <laughs> that's, also, it's like, different. But also, it's an element of, I think the thing for me is like, I'm really mindful of the fact that if I do that, I'm perpetuating this belief that we have to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I 
do not want to be a part of that. I want to show me. And a lot of the times, I mean, Serena knows, like, and anyone who knows me well knows, a lot of the time I don't wear makeup. Um, any makeup of any description. I know, like, I mean, like, for example, I, you like wearing my mascara mm-hmm. um, almost every day. Yep. Uh, I don't. And I will share photos where I'm wearing no makeup. And most people, and I know people would be horrified mm-hmm. at the thought of doing that, but like, no, we need to start normalizing normal body. But the reason that we're kind of feeling this way is because we're constantly bombarded with these images that don't look like real people because they're not real people because they've been, uh, I mean, even like body, how we feel about our body image because of the photoshopping, because of the Snapchat filters, because of Facetune and all those things. I mean, you've seen some of the things on online that the, the before and after, like the image that's posted on their Instagram versus the live video they've done on Instagram. And they look like two completely different people mm-hmm. because they've been like photoshopped or Facetuned with, to within an inch of their lives kind of thing. Well, and it's kind of interesting, too, if I'm noticing a trend right now, um, I'm not going to call out specific people on this, but there is a sameness to the look of um, certain celebrities. celebrities, And Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, well, y'all kind of look like them. Yeah. And also it's like when you see the, uh, the when you see the images and they have like a, a, a big butt or they have a tiny waist and you realize that the background behind them is warped in that. I'm like, come on. And most of these people, I mean, they're all beautiful in their own ways, but like a lot of these people are conventionally beautiful to begin with. Like, well, And even if they're not, they are beautiful. And mm-hmm. I think that's the thing is that we, we, we need to normalize the beauty in everybody. There is such a European-centric version of beauty where you have to be thin and white and pale skinned and blue eyes and all that sort of stuff. And actually, I, I, I never, I'll never forget, I was listening to a podcast years ago where um, this uh, black woman was, who's very curvy, um, she said that she realized that she'd lived her entire life trying to be a thin white woman. Like something that was physically impossible for her to be. She's gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. And we need to start recognizing the beauty in all of these things. Mm -hmm. But because we're bombarded with the images, anyone who doesn't look like that, and the chances are you don't look, and nobody looks like that because it's all Photoshop. They don't look like that. Even the models don't (laughs) look like that, that we believe that we're not good enough, um, which means that everybody's feeling not good enough. Um, even relationships, like we were saying, like we're, we're taught to compare our relationships to others and constantly seek to do better. That hashtag relationship goals thing. Um, marketing companies play off our feelings of not being good enough to try and sell things to us. I remember there was a, a quote that did the rounds of. Uh, several years ago, I mean, we're probably talking 10 or 15 years ago now, which is by Dr. Gail Dines. And she said, if tomorrow women wake up, woke up and decided they really liked their bodies, just think how many industries would go out of business. And I kind of took that and I'm like, oh, I see there's something in this. I think that we could, um, we could tweak this. If tomorrow everyone woke up and decided they really liked themselves and their lives, just think how many industries would go out of business. And that reason for that is because those industries are not necessary. They are feeding off our feeling of not being enough. The message, sorry, I I really just kind of, I mean, I've obviously done this content. It's in front of me, but I really let that sink in. Like, I'm going to say it again. If tomorrow everyone woke up and decided they really liked themselves and their lives, just think how many industries would go out of business. And I'm going to go one step further. 
I'm going to go, I'm speaking to you listening to me right now. And I'm going to say, if tomorrow you woke up and decided that you really liked yourself and you really liked your life, just think how many, how many things you would stop buying, how many things you would stop doing. How many things you realize you don't actually need need. and that aren't serving you. Mm Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is that how you get to the point where you like yourself and your life is by learning how to better meet your needs. But unfortunately, the message that we're getting right now is do more, have more, be more, 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 more. Mm -hmm. And this feeling of not enoughness manifests in two ways. First is a lack of self-esteem and not feeling deserving or worthy. And the other is an overcompensation, a performance of arrogance or overconfidence to try and make up for the deep-seated feeling of not being enough. So you're trying to prove you are enough to others, even if you don't believe it yourself. So you're in this weird kind of fucked up circle of... (laughs) All the things. Yeah, all the things. (laughs) So self-worth is simply feeling enough. And we feel enough when our needs are being adequately and consistently met, right. especially the ones relating to our sense of value and worth. Oh my goodness, so much so. I mean, I know that I spent the majority of my life not feeling enough. And that's a really sad thing to admit, but it's true. I was constantly trying to prove myself by achieving more, by acquiring more, by perfecting more, like by performing these roles that I thought were were needed of me or were being asked of me or would make people like me. Um, and the interesting thing was that through learning to meet my own needs, I was finally able to feel enough, to feel worthy, not because I'm all done up with makeup, not because... I am a size zero because I've never been a size zero in my life. Uh, Not because I have done certain things or I've proven myself or I've earned it or I've deserved it. I felt enough just because I exist. And to not need to do these things anymore, to not need to constantly achieve, acquire, perfect, perform, like to try and make myself feel better than others because that's the only way I felt any kind of value... It means I don't care as much as I used to about how I look to other people. I mean, don't get me wrong. I try to be a kind person. I try to be a decent human being and I want to treat other people with respect and I want to operate in a way that feels in alignment for me. So it's not like I don't care about anybody else, but it's more that I just don't care as much about how I look to other people. So as I said, I often don't wear makeup. I know I remember I had a conversation with somebody when I was probably in my early 20s and um, she never went out without a full face of makeup. And I remember actually she was going to pick up a, um, pick up her partner. He was, he was out drinking for the night in the next village and um, she'd already gone to bed and had taken her makeup off for the night. And um, she went to go and pick him up. Now bear in mind, she was not getting out of the car and it was night. So she got up, she put a full face of makeup on, got dressed, got in the car, went to pick him up. They got back home. She took it all off and went to bed again. Now, I literally would not have changed out of my pajamas. I certainly wouldn't have put a scrap of makeup. Half the time, I don't put a scrap of makeup on to go out of the house in the daytime. Certainly not going to do it for the benefit of me and my partner within our own vehicle. Um, I mean, I said, I might have put slippers on. (laughs) I might have put some shoes on or some sneakers on or something. Uh, But chances are, I would have literally just gone out to the car as I was. I would have gone certainly no bra (laughs) 
definitely no bra. I said, I, I literally wouldn't have got out of my pajamas. I would have been in my pajamas. I would literally got out of bed. I would have got into the car. I would have driven to pick him up. I would have come back to the house and I got straight back into bed again. I would have called an Uber. <laughs> I think it might have been before Uber. There's a time before, it before Uber. Oh my goodness. It was, I mean, it was well before Uber. We're going back a little while now. Um, I don't wear designer clothes anymore. Um, actually, it's not, I'm, I'm not going to say I don't wear them anymore. I don't. If I saw something that I really loved mm-hmm. and it felt like worth it to me to spend what it was cost to have something that would make me feel great and I would feel good in it and I would love the material and the cut and all those sorts of things. I'm not saying I would never wear designer clothes anymore. There is a possibility that I might. But that's not how, that's not how I shop. That's not what I do to buy clothes. I don't go looking for something that's got a label on it. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, the same person is like, it's interesting. I mean, we're going back quite some time ago now, but the same person, I remember we were coming into a shopping mall one day and um, they had this thing about labels. Um, they wanted to only wear labels. And we were coming in, we parked outside. It was one of these kind of shopping malls that was like a circular thing. And we parked on the side. And if you're watching on the video, you can see what I'm doing with my hands. We basically came in in like a little um, like alleyway that was perpendicular to the main uh, concourse. And as we came up, there was, um, we saw an outfit in, the win- in a shop window in front of us. There were two um, shops next to each other. And we, we saw this outfit. And she said, she said, oh, I really like that outfit. And without missing a beat, I said, no, you don't. And she was like, uh, yes, I do. And I was like, no, you don't. She's like, yes, I do. I'm like, no, you don't. And she was like, we got a little bit further. She's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, look which store it's in. And she took one look at the store it was in. She's like, oh, yeah, you're right, I don't. Now, that to me is the most ridiculous thing in the world. Like, either you like it or you don't. Mm-hmm. If you like it, yeah, I mean, and I was kind of, obviously, tongue in cheek, I was kind of taking the piss in the moment. Um, I was actually kind of shocked that she was like, yeah, I don't. I'm like, surely you've just proven to yourself that you like the thing because you said you liked it like five seconds ago. Um, but no, apparently not. Um, and so I'm not going to buy something because of the label. There was a time where I would buy something mm-hmm. because of the label it had. And not because I liked it or not because I wanted it or not because I needed it or because it was something that made a difference to me. The label was what mattered. Mm-hmm. I wear what feels good to me. I, half of my wardrobe, I'm literally wearing it right now, is bamboo. Like bamboo is one of my favorite fabrics. It's stretchy and it's comfy and it's um, breathable. And it, it's like, I'm just, I, I absolutely love it. Now, I still wear things that I like, the cut and the shape of. I'm not going to wear something that's bamboo just because it's bamboo. I'm going to wear it, something that feels good, that looks good, that I enjoy wearing. Um, I want what I want, when I want, how I want. And if somebody else judges me for it, it has very little effect on me. There was a time where it would have devastated me. If someone else judges me for it, I'm like, okay, I'm happy. Uh, like, I'm good. And it's made a big difference for me. Yeah, it's like, oh, is your $60 shirt making you happy? Glad. I'm glad for you, right. but it doesn't it change. Like. And genuinely, some people, that might be a, be a way that they're choosing to meet their needs. It's not the way that works for me. And it never was. It was something that I learned to do to try to feel good enough in somebody else's eyes. It's funny. I used to do that with purses. Come to find out, I don't like purses. Years. Yeah. Designer bag. I mean, like yeah. heavy hitter designer bags in college. And now I'm like, I carry around, it's called a hip clip. I just, I mean, like I am a minimalist. 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 Minimalist with. Uh, <laughs> all I've got in my head is like, 
Anyway. <laughs> um, but it's kind of funny because now I'm at a point where I didn't, I never had a purse. And then when it was popular and everybody had bags and in college, that was what you did. You had a designer bag. And I was privileged enough to be able to afford mm-hmm. either the knockoff or, you know, yeah. whatever it was. But now as, you know, coming into my own, I'm like, I've never liked carrying around purses. Right. Like I had actually <laughs> kid myself into liking something that I didn't even like. Yeah, it it don't even I don't even like them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but and I, I, I at the time I loved I loved them, but it wasn't. Did you? Did you love them, or had you been conditioned into quote unquote loving them because that was the in thing that was the thing that. You know, I can't, even, I can't even tell you like either way, either way, which yeah. is, I mean, and that says, that says a lot, that says a lot <laughs> in itself. Yeah. Um, one of the places that I really found um, that resonated me, with me when we were talking about this episode and why it's so hard to um, feel enough in a lot of situations, um, one of the areas for me was the missing of awards or popularity contests mm-hmm. or being elected for things like in college Mm -hmm. I was part of a sorority and it's like oh you want to be you know this this or this and it's I was never the person that got the awards the popularity contests and the perception was that not getting them it made me feel not enough like that was the perception to me I didn't get it I'm not enough I'm not good enough I'm not popular Mm -hmm. enough I don't do enough I my work isn't right enough like I just wasn't enough And the belief was that if I had gotten these things, if I had won the contest, if I had gotten the award, if I did get the position, I would have felt enough. Right. But having cultivated my self-worth for myself, I can actually now look back and know that they would have made no difference to my feelings of enoughness. Mm -hmm. I may have felt more confident. I may have felt more accepted. I may have had these like external feelings, but knowing now that it wouldn't have done anything for what really mattered. Because it was about my internal feeling of worth. Right. It wasn't what other people thought of me. Yeah. Back then, it 100% was. Right. I look back now and I'm like, oh, Well, back silly, then, Serena. that's what you were prioritizing. You didn't probably, back then, you didn't even know that self-worth was a thing. You didn't no, know there was an internal thing that you were missing. Well, it was just like, oh, this is what you do, right? And I'm going to age myself a little bit here, but like we're talking about the self-care buzzword about you know, 10, 15 years, we're going back just just a tad further for my college experience. A little further back from that, yeah. But it really wasn't a yeah. huge thing back then. Mm-hmm. And getting those types of accolades in that um, acknowledgement from others, it wouldn't have changed anything in a significant, sustained, or meaningful way. It would have been a nice little hit like at the time. Like regarding your internal yeah, self. Yeah, regarding my like, internal self. It would have been like the 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 temporary hit of like, ooh, that feels nice. But because it wasn't something I was creating, because it wasn't coming mm-hmm. from within, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have stuck. And even if it was a consistent thing I was getting from somebody else, the second that was taken away... Well, that's the thing is so often that's what ends up happening is that people, I, I, it, it, one of the things that irritates and frustrates me no end is where people are like, oh, I empower others. No, that's not possible because you're not empowering them. If it's coming from you, you're creating a dependency on you. Mm-hmm. Same thing with worth. It's like, oh, like I, I help other people to feel, uh, to feel worthy. I, I give people a sense of worthiness. Like, no, 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 no. 
that's not self-worth. Self-worth comes from the self. Now you could help to remind them of that. You could help them to find ways to connect to that, but that's not you doing it. If it's coming from you, from those outside sources, then it's creating dependency. It's not actually that self. And as Serena says, like if that then disappears, oh, whoops, the thing goes with it. Part of the difficulty with all of this is that we are trying to be a healthy tree in the middle of a very unhealthy forest. So um, for those of you who don't know, uh, we teach that the there are 12 universal needs and the 12 universal needs fall into four groups and the four groups correspond to the different sections of a tree. So you have your root needs, which are survival needs, your intrinsic needs, which are the trunk of the tree. You've got the branches, which are expansive needs, and you've got the leaves and the fruit, which are, are your enriching needs. Now, the thing about it is the individual, us as individuals, we're all our own tree we've each got our own tree with our own 12 universal needs and we can meet them or not meet them and they might be more met on the red spectrum or more on the green spectrum but we're trying to be a healthy tree we're trying to be a green spectrum well nourished supported resource tree um, the individual is the tree itself our social, societal, and environmental systems are the forest. So our social systems, the people that we're around, our societal systems, the systems that we live in, and the environment that we live in as well. Now, the thing about it is we can learn to meet our own needs, even if we're not in an environment that is supportive. So we can be a relatively well-nourished tree, even if the forest around us is quite toxic. And that's one of the things that we've learned to do is that we've learned to become a greener tree in still living. We still live in the social system we live in. We still live in the environmental system. We still live in the societal system. That system hasn't changed yet. Hopefully it will do. And this is one of the ways that hopefully we're going to get that to happen. But at the moment, if you work to meet your own needs, you are still a green tree in a very unhealthy forest. But the thing is, is that because we're in that unhealthy toxic, uh, in that more toxic forest, um, just realize I need to stop using the word unhealthy. It's ableist and I don't want to be using that. So just if, apologies for using that. Um, so far, we're going to be using kind of supported and nourishing going forward. Um, so the thing about it is, is that we have to work that much harder to stay as a nourished and resource tree if we're in a toxic forest, because that toxicity is going to be affected. Like we still are, like we still have this interdependence between us and the system around us. Like a tree doesn't get to stay completely void of connection with the forest. It's going to be affected by the the rain and by the tr- uh, the air and by the soil quality and everything. So it it's harder to work. You have to work harder, sorry, to stay in that nourished state if all of that around us, that toxicity exists, because that toxicity is going to affect us to some level. Like right now, it's it can be very challenging and difficult to live in this fucked up world. Right, and I'm calling it. it like, yeah, it's it's often more fucked up than it's not. Right, like, absolutely. And so, yes, we know how to meet our needs better than most people because we understand this stuff. But the reality is that we are work. We're still swimming upstream. We're still working against the system that we are surrounded by, the air that we're breathing, the the water we're swimming in, all of those things. That is affecting us. And it means that we have to work harder to be able to maintain that level of nourishment and resourceness. Um, What this means is that when we have got ourselves to a relatively healthy condition or a relatively nourished condition, I will be shifting that language. I promise it's a learning process for me, but I am shifting it. I apologize. Um, What we want to do is we then want to start working at shifting the forest. We want to make that environment more nourishing, less toxic 
for ourselves and for everybody around us. This has a number of different effects because one, it means that we don't have to work that hard to stay nourished and to stay um, supported and resourced because we're not working against the environment, but also other trees around us who might be struggling to get the nourishment that they require um, can be better supported by the environment in doing so. And remember, because of our interconnectedness, our needs will be better met when we are surrounded by people whose needs are also being met in supportive and mutually supportive ways. So the first step in this process is always taking care of our own tree. We cannot make a difference to the forest if we don't have the resources to do so. If we're running on empty, we're not going to make any significant change that's going to really be uh, significant or sustainable. Once we have that internal nourishment, once we've got to that point where we have the internal resources, we want to start to tend, the second step is to start to tend to our immediate environment. So what are the trees immediately surrounding us? What is the environment that we're in that we have some kind of effect over? So we want to be mindful of our orbits, um, which is, we talk about uh, our relationship orbits in episode 17, what to do when you're waiting for an apology that will never come. So we want to be choosing to the places and people that nourish and support us, the people that are closest to us, we want to be putting time and energy into those first and foremost. This doesn't mean disconnecting from everybody else, the people who aren't these people. It means cultivating these supportive spaces and choosing what time and energy you invest and where. So that what we do is we, we create a little, little bubble. So even if the wider forest is still red and the wider forest is still toxic, we can create this little bubble of trees. We have this little glen of trees that are all a little bit more green and they're a little bit more nourishing and a little bit more resourced and they're supporting each other. That's what community is. Is about this is about creating communities and supporters that are commute that communities that are supporting each other i think i tried to say that backwards then um that was supportives that were communitying each other no <laughs> communities that are supporting each other and so we will have this little bubble and this little glen of, of of green um supportive community around us and then as we start to cultivate more of that the final step is to focus on changing the wider forest environment at a systemic level. So once we have the capacity, we want to start to change this environment. We're looking at our social environment, looking at our physical environment, looking about our societal systems, etc. In order that we and others don't have to work so hard to get and keep our needs met, to get ourselves to the point where we feel nourished and we feel supported. This is where the forest supports the trees and the trees support the forest. This is actually how a real forest works, where actually the forest is providing a lot of the nourishment to the trees. And the trees then, the leaves come down, they break down, they provide more nourishment to the forest. Like there's this symbiotic relationship. And this is where we have to be mindful of the fact that we are not a tree standing alone in a vacuum. We're not just sitting here waiting taking care of ourselves and having no effect, no effect on those around us and having the those around us have no effect on us. So the first thing we have to do is start with ourselves. The second step is to rem is to, to focus on the things that are immediately around us. So for example, when I, one of the, um, let's look at one of the examples where we talk about uh, one of the systemic issues that's a big issue for us is um, systemic racism. Um, or any systemic marginalization. So the first thing for me to do when I went through that process was first I have to do the work on myself. I have to dismantle that inside myself and provide more nourishment and resource as far as that aspect is concerned. The next thing I do is I look at the people around me and I start having conversations 
with the people who are closest to me and start to create shifts because there's a ripple effect from that. Because if I have that conversation with Serena and I have this conversation with somebody else and somebody else and they have that conversation with somebody else, there starts to be this ripple effect. And then once we are supported and we've got this like community system where, okay, now we're starting to operate better within ourselves. Now we can start to look at what can we do to start to make systemic change? Where can we be effective in this? Um, and that can be true of, that's just one example. But what we want to be doing is focusing on where we can focus our time and energy first, resource ourselves first, then have an impact on the world immediately around us. Because a lot of the time, I think that when it comes to the systemic issues, people think, I'm just one person like what can I really do like what can I do like I and it, I, get, I get it like it can feel really uh, like overwhelming and you can feel powerless um to to make really any effective meaningful change at that level well what if we're not working alone what if we alone have this ripple effect on the people around us and those people have a ripple effect on the people around them and those people have a ripple effect and then collectively we can start to make those systemic changes that are going to benefit everybody and whether that is when we're talking about systemic racism, whether we're talking about misogyny, whether we're talking about capitalism, whether we're talking about um, the um, the issues in terms of um, like food poverty, like looking at all of these needs, we have to be looking at things from not just our own needs, but how is our need actually interconnecting with our communities, with our wider social systems, and how much are we having to work against those? in order to feel nourished and to feel resourced. And if we're having to work hard, and a lot of us have more privilege, imagine how much harder it is for those who don't have systemic privilege to be able to make meaningful change. So we need to look at these things. And obviously there's there's more layers to this. There's where the responsibility is, there's where the social power is. There's the fact that we need to be prioritizing the use of our energy towards these things because it's actually our problem. We've created it. We're the ones who've caused the issue and um, it's affecting other people. They might be able to help change the system, but they really shouldn't have to because it's that they're the ones getting impacted by it and we're not. There's a number of different layers to this. It's a very, very simplistic view that we're showing today and there's a lot of nuance. So this is not, I don't want people to look at this and go, oh, that's it, that's the answer. No, 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 that's just one example. But the most important thing is that when it comes to needs, we have to take care of ourselves first, resource ourselves. We don't have to wait until we are fully resourced to the top to start making an influence and effect and change on the people around us. And even starting to make change at a systemic level, we can start to um, make changes in terms of our, where are we, where are we spending our money? Mm-hmm. Are we going to be spending money in places that actually, um, we don't want to support them because they are not making the changes. We want to support the companies who are making systemic changes that are going to start to shift our social systems and our societal systems. So there are things that we can do and then the better resource we are and the better resource our communities get because we are in this kind of inter- um, interdependent, um, interconnected relationship, then the more people we have who are resourced, the more effective we're going to be at and making change. Now, something that's really important to remember, we're talking about, you know, systemic things. We're talking about, you know, the environment, society as a whole. These are big things. And we're talking about forests. And you think, you know, a forest is multiple trees. Remember, we can start small and in alignment with our own capacity. It doesn't have to 
change the entire system overnight and single-handedly. Mm-hmm. But we want to be consistently showing up in a way that when combined with the efforts of others, it will eventually lead to this systemic change that we're talking about. It will eventually lead to the green forest versus the red forest, or at least a greener, greener forest. Absolutely. And I think the thing also is that it's very easy for us to um, get very focused in on our own needs and just our own needs and not realize the need for the community care. Like that is absolutely something that is essential. So we need to be mindful of this interconnectedness and where where are we at? Where are we at within our community? How are we supporting our community? And there are some people who do not have the ability to meet our own meet their own needs in the same way. How are we supporting at a community level to ensure that they are getting the support that they need? Because ultimately, it's not a it's not a a, um, a single player game. Like this this life and like the the society that we live in, we have to do this together. And it, this is part of the issue with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is what um we've i mean if you haven't listened to it already go back and listen to episode one move over maslow there are new needs in town uh, we talk about some of the issues in that but part of the issue is that um his work was taken um from an indigenous tribe that he spent time with the blackfeet nation in alberta canada blackfeet or blackfoot blackfeet mm. nation i think mm. blackfoot nation thank you um and um his what he did was he stripped the 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 hierarchy of needs at an individual level from that community focus because the reason it worked for them was because there was yes you have to be aware of the needs of the individual but you have to be aware of that in the social context in the community context how does this relate to the community how does this relate to um, cultural uh, perpetuity which is one of the things that is really important how are we passing on these things to our children how are we making sure that our way of life and the things that matter to us are getting passed on that wisdom is getting passed on how are we working together how are we supporting each other and the second you strip it of those contexts all of a sudden it actually becomes a much harder game um game i don't even like using the word game there it becomes a much harder path to tread because if you were just focusing on your own needs it seems like that would be easier right because i'm just i've all i've got to do is worry about me but in reality by just focusing on you you are working against everything around you and nothing is changing which means it's never going to get easier you're constantly having to fight uphill it's like trying to run up a down downwards escalator like um or run down and up no run up a downwards escalator yeah yeah um so it's like i'm working i'm working i'm working and I'm, I'm i'm making some progress but i'm constantly being pushed down same thing swimming upstream it's like okay i'm swimming and if anybody has swum in strong current you know how you can work your butt off you can be putting everything you've got into it and not only not make progress, but end up further back than you started. Like, well, we've- further back and sore and tired and, and, and. So you've not only not done what you've said. Not made out, progress. Not made progress. Yeah. You've, you've, you're worse off. You're worse off in multiple. Yeah. Meeting your needs in a red spectrum way or in a, uh, selfish or even selfless way can lead to that because and, and being a, and meeting your needs in a way that is ignorant of our community consciousness and our social consciousness and our societal consciousness and so we have to be we have to be aware of this we have to bring this in to our awareness of needs 
not just because it's the right thing to do, which it is, not just that it is the logical thing to do because it makes more sense for us to work if you're working together, but actually because it actually makes sense for us as well. And so it, so often because of the, it, the illusions that we have about social power and like the power over, like, oh, well, I'm, high, I'm on the higher on the hierarchy and I don't want to end up down. Like, why should this person get the same thing that I'm getting because I've worked hard and I've been more successful? It's all bullshit. Mm-hmm. It's all bullshit. What we have to be aware of is that we are all human beings and fulfillment and the meeting of our needs is the fulfillment of our needs is our birthright. We are worthy of that because we all exist. And it doesn't have to cost anything from you to make sure that you are not negatively compromising somebody else's needs. It also doesn't have to cost you anything to meet your needs in ways that actually will benefit other people as well. And once you start to do that, there's this incredible ripple effect. Like, I, I'm interestingly enough, I know we, we've said it before, we, we are going to be doing a, an episode coming up on clearing niggles. We are going to get to that. But like, I mean, we've had a couple of conversations today where literally uh, I've had something that's been niggling me that's been a situation between us. Serena's had something that's been niggling her. We've cleared those, like we've had the conversation and not only has it not negatively affected me, it's actually supportive. Like I feel better for having addressed the thing that was bothering Serena. I would guess probably the same thing the other way around. Oh yeah, yeah. And it was, and it's interesting because what had niggled me was a niggle in the moment, and then it wasn't. It was kind of forgotten, and then my Claire's niggle like triggered what, your niggle, triggled my niggle that I didn't even wriggle. Didn't even. Didn't wriggle? <laughs> uh, didn't even realize was still niggling me, but it was because it came, it was like, came back. oh, wait, it came back. And then I'm like, obviously I didn't, it didn't clear on its own. I'm going to clear this right now because I don't want this to ever come back. And right. now it's gone and it's like, we've dealt with it. We continued our day and we're... And that's, I've done something in that that has supported Serena's needs. And by doing that, that's actually met my needs. Like I feel better for how, I don't feel like, oh God, I've given Serena what she needs and it's cost me anything. Like when we are like, we we work in a collaborative space, we're on the same team. So I'm never looking for, oh my God, it's this has cost me and it's benefited her or vice versa. Oh, I need this. Like, look, this is, oh, ha, ha, I'm on top. Like, cause it's gonna meet my needs. It's gonna cost hers. That's not a win. Mm-mm. That's not so because we have to be aware that the the interconnectedness. If I if that if that played out in a way that met my needs and cost hers, interconnectedness, it's going to actually cost my needs as well. Mm-hmm. So when we actually realise that when we come at it from this community minded approach, that we're not just looking at our own individual needs, we're taking responsibility for our own individual needs because that is where our power lies. That's where our responsibility as adults who are capable of meeting our own needs exists. So yes, we are taking responsibility for that, and we're making it a priority because we have to prioritise doing that because no, it's nobody else's job to do so. And if we do that in a way which actually supports those around us, everybody wins. That's like the, that's the ultimate ding, 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 if you ask me. Right. (laughs) And it's like, it doesn't have to cost, so often I think because of this illusion that there's a certain amount of power in the world. And if I have power, you can't, you must not have power. If you have power, I've lost it in some way, shape or form. We're missing the point. This is not about power over. This is about power with and recognizing that we are stronger together and that we figure out a way of meeting needs that works for everybody. That doesn't cost anybody. That's not about preference. 
preference. Like, oh yeah, I might prefer to meet it this way, but if it costs Serena for me to meet it that way, that's not that's not good for me because it's going to compromise my needs and it doesn't help support our relationship. It's going to erode our relationship. It's going to erode her capacity. So she's not going to be able to support our, our business and me as a friend and all this. Like there's a ripple effect to all of these things. And there are so many ways of meeting the needs that do not need to compromise other people's, um, other people or their needs. So I think just... I can't get across how important this concept is. And it's and, the, and like coming back to what this entire episode is about, this is one of the reasons it's so hard to feel enough because we're in this environment, this toxic environment, this forest, which is having everybody not feel enough. Well, what if that could change? Mm-hmm. And it could and it can. And we've seen it with our little pockets of our own little communities. Mm-hmm. Like when you see that, it's like, oh my God, like if you're doing well, yay, I'm so excited for you. And then when I'm doing well, yay, you're excited for me. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have to feel like, oh, like she's doing well and I, I oh, I'm not. So I'm gonna Or go. you have to hide what you're like, like there's been times in the past where it's like, oh, I don't want to bring up my celebration, my accomplishment mm-hmm. or that like, you know, because it's like, oh, well, they're, you know. I don't want to make them feel bad because they're not there. So it works in both ways. And being mindful of like, oh yeah, if their if their dogs just died, coming in yes. and going, yay, I'm celebrating. Yes. I mean, this again, mindful of the mm-hmm. impact to other people's needs. And there are times when that's not been the case, but no. there's that hesitation of like, oh God, I can't share the good things that are going on because I know that you'll look at that comparatively and you will feel like you're less than because you're not where I am. Like it's like there's there's ways of doing this where we can all be supported and nourishing getting our needs met. And the thing is that we all benefit from that. Even the people who think that they're winning right now, even the people who think they're ahead, they have no idea the cost that it is coming, that that is making to their needs approaching things at the way that they are so this is why we want to start this ripple effect of taking care of your needs taking care of your community taking care of the wider the wider environment and looking for how do we start to shift this in a way that supports everyone so um i think that's it on this today anything you want to share before we finish up i'm good it's been a lot today um, but this is a very important thing for us to remember so um i'm just going to leave you with this remembering of First, your own tree. Second, your little glen, your little community in the forest. Third, look at the forest and what you can do to be a part of shifting that. Because once we start working together, it's incredible the power of that and what difference and change it can make. You look at the things that have really changed in history and it's all been a collection of people who are supporting each other to make a change on a bigger level. And we can still do that going forward. And we can do it in ways that are in alignment with ourselves and where we're at. It doesn't have to be huge. Yes little ripples create big waves absolutely yeah i like that yeah i have nothing more to add thank you for watching thank you for being here uh we're sending you lots of love remember between now and next time to remember to keep taking care of your needs lots of love bye Bye, friends that's it for today if you like what you heard please subscribe rate and give us a written review as it will help more people find us and remember If you want to help change the forest, you first have to nourish your own tree. Well, shit. It really is that simple.